0: For any agency, once you make that decision and draw that line in the sand, then that becomes a bit of a, you know, good watershed moment. And you know, speaking from experience, you never really look back from that. Welcome to Happy Porch Radio, the show for agency owners and web professionals who want to grow bigger, better and more rewarding businesses. Join Barry O'Kane, your host, as he talks to leading experts and top agency owners about the challenges and opportunities that we all face and hear them share the amazingly valuable
1: lessons they've learned along the way. This is Happy Porch Radio. Hi, and welcome to Episode 6 of Season 1. As you probably know by now, Season 1 is all about the long haul. We dig deep into long-term client relationships, recurring revenue, repeat business, referrals, and more. Everything that's vital to building an agency that not only survives, but grows. In this episode, we get an incredible insight into how transformational it can be to change your agency's mindset from project-based to a more retainer-based model. My guest, Matt Hodkinson from Influence Agents, very clearly articulates why you might want to do this and some very specific and actionable approaches. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to Happy Port Radio. I'm Amazingly excited to have Matt Hodkinson here with me. Hi Matt. Hey, how's it going? Thank you so much for joining me. Just to start, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself and your company?
0: I'm Matt Hodkinson. I'm the CEO at Influence Agents and we're an inbound content agency based in London. What we do is we basically work alongside B2B technology businesses like IT companies, MSPs, and value-added resellers to help improve the amount of traffic and qualified leads and eventually sales that they're getting using inbound marketing, blogging, digital, and all of those good things.
1: We connected through the Agency Collective, which is an excellent organization, and had a really good event. And at that event, we had the start of a conversation about retainers and recurring relationships with clients. And I know that you have a lot of experience and a lot to share about that. So I'd love to dig straight into that. As you know, Season 1 is all about the long-term relationship with clients. So to start, tell me a little bit about the kind of recurring business your company does.
0: To rewind a little bit, I think as far as about a year back, we were still doing as many agencies do I know still too much project work, and what that produces and you know I'm talking to a lot of other agency owners they would concur with this what it produces is a lot of uncertainty in in the cash flow department it almost reads like a roller coaster, lots of dips and lots of highs as well and any unpredictability in pipeline and in revenue and in growth is clearly a bad thing for any business. So we came to the conclusion that we wanted to replace a lot of the project work we were doing with retainers. Now, I realise for some agencies that's very difficult. I know particularly web design and development companies seem to find it very difficult because typically there's a glut of work that's required when you're developing a new website or redeveloping a website and the kind of ongoing work is quite often maintenance or small bits of project work but we're in a rather fortunate position in that what we do in producing content and promoting content to our clients audiences on an ongoing basis is the likes of Writing blogs, it's creating premium pieces of content like video and webinars and slide decks and ebooks and white papers and all of those good things. And so we can quite easily maintain a long term relationship with our clients to keep fueling their digital marketing efforts and keep fueling their pipeline in that way. So we transitioned from this old model of just doing bits and bobs and creating the odd bit of content for clients or building a funnel and then. Kind kind of stepping away to really focusing on retainers and I think for any agency once you make that decision and draw that line in the sand then that becomes a bit of a you know good watershed moment and you know speaking from experience you never really look back from that
1: yeah that's really interesting that you're saying that you've moved from projects to retainers or recurring relationships rather than trying to juggle them both or are you in still a position where you're doing some of it both
0: No, we still have clients inevitably come to us and ask us to do project type work. But we're in the rather fortunate position of not having to take it. So we've got to focus on relationships and long-term focus and there are two reasons for that i mean one is that you know rather selfishly it's good for us as an agency for the reasons i've already cited you know more predictability in the pipeline more stability in cash flow and all of those things but for the client, it's also beneficial because they are seeing the fruits of a really strategic approach to what we do they don't just want something for the short term that they then have to run with and promote themselves and you know juggle with all the other forty seven hundred things they 've got to do as business owners they want somebody to be holding their hand and walking them through this process and continuing to deliver results over time as well, and also you know grow the level of results that we 're getting in terms of generating new leads and growing the business for our clients. so it works on both sides it's a real win win situation, but as you and I have spoken about before, the big kind of head trash around this from a client 's perspective is the commitment side of things i think clients tend to be a bit like men when it comes to relationships that commitment's a scary thing so We try to remove, you know, the barriers and make it as frictionless as possible for people to do business with us by not making them commit to the long term. We found what we think is a pretty good compromise of having a rolling notice period rather than tying our clients in for 12 months and then having to worry about the renewals, you know, one or two months before that 12-month marker comes around. And I know that a lot of agencies still kind of subscribe to that model of those long-term 12-month relationships. You're tied in. You can't get out of it. In our experience, clients who know that they can exit, you know, given a realistic and relevant kind of notice period is a really good thing for them.
1: What you said at the start there about the relationship being value coming both to both sides rather than treating the recurring as something, hey, I need the money to stabilise my cash flow or to reduce the sales effort, I need the feast and famine cycle.
0: You can't bring an ego to this relationship. It, it can't be about an agency setting out their standards and saying, well, if you want to work with us, you know, this is the way we work and you know, like it or lump it. If you want a relationship to work, it's got to start off on the best possible footing and it's got to be a win-win situation. As any agency knows, when selling, you know, the mitigation of risk is a big thing because what we do is such an intangible. Over the years, I know that agencies have tried to productize and package up what they do to make it seem more tangible to clients. But still, there's always this element of, you know, leap of faith that's the phrase that's going around in a lot of prospects' minds, is that, you know, I'm not guaranteed to see the results. And, you know, you quite often be asked for value-based selling or or results-based charging and all of those things. That starts the relationship off on a disparity and that's not going to work. Whilst we're not tying our clients in, we still hope for the longer-term relationship. We still want them to go full-term and realize the benefits of what we're doing. And that only comes when there is parity, everybody in the relationship is benefiting.
1: And there's almost a little bit of a conflict there between that long-term relationship is where the real value is for your client as well as for yourself. But at the same time, particularly for a new client, it is a scary commitment, like you say, long-term contracts and unless there's a very strong belief up front that that value is definitely going to come. So do you find that that the rolling notice period that you mentioned, do you have to sort of massage that or is that a kind of compromise or is that something that you're able to standardise across everything you do? I think we're
0: quite fortunate in that at this moment in time we can, can cite it as a bit of a differentiator because not many agencies I know of are using that model. There are still a lot who either have no time whatsoever, which doesn't serve them as an agency. That means that they're compromising in a big way and introducing a lot of risk on their side. And on the other end of the scale, those that are. Tying their clients in for twelve months or sometimes even more, and so I think we can use it as a bit of a differentiator right now. And I think as as more and more agencies come around to this way of thinking, more people listen to this podcast, for example, and, uh, and are alerted to it. You know, we're going to have to find ways to even justify that kind of model. I think it works right now, and you know, tied in with that is the expectation setting. A big part of maintaining that relationship, again, getting off on the right foot, but also keeping clients engaged is by being completely honest up front and saying the kind of work we're doing generates results in a certain time frame and not overselling. Because if we do get three, six months into the relationship and You know, results from as far as you're concerned as an agency are kind of on par with where you want to be or sometimes even ahead of where you wanted to be as a goal. If you haven't communicated that to the client effectively, then they're going to have different expectations. They clearly want as much as they can get as quickly as possible. There's a rather in-depth, deep conversation that needs to happen very early on to say these are the methods we're applying this is what we've seen historically in terms of the time it takes to get the right kinds of results for you and set that expectation so that they're completely satisfied you know when that situation arises and when it all comes to fruition
1: what do you think is the difference between that kind of process so setting expectations um, being clear and honest up front, and so on, in terms of the sales process for a project versus the sales processes for a more long-term arrangement?
0: Well, I think the deliverables are usually more easily defined in a project scenario. Typically, if it's a fixed piece of work, you have a remit, and that's what you have to deliver. It's very difficult for us, given what we do, to be able to really provide an expectation or guarantee of any kind of results when it's a project-based piece of work. It's only when we can apply our skills over time that we can start to bring real results to our clients. And I know that that's not the case for every agency owner, every discipline of marketing. So again, if we go back to the kind of website design and website development guys, I think, you know, if they want to move from a project-based model to a retainer model, again, it's going to be about mapping out, exactly what it is that they're going to be delivering in a retainer model versus a project and communicating the value of doing it in that way. And I know that a growing number of web development and design agencies are doing this, that they're starting to get involved in websites for conversion and taking this persona led approach and you know applying some of the same inbound methodologies that we use in our agency so that they're making website design and development more about real tangible business results about lead generation and about sales rather than about you know user experience and a flashier or more attractive website presence agencies can do better things can set better expectations and create longer term relationships when they make it more about results and real tangible business goals.
1: Yeah, that last part for me is really really key. Being in the development side of things myself, I think that being able to talk about more than just here's your project, you know, here's your deliverable, here's your piece of code or your design or whatever and that's me done, is to me not providing the value in in terms of what the business actually needs and actually thinking about that longer term. Although, and maybe you can talk a little bit about this, that sort of transition from thinking and selling and having those types of conversations around projects and then having to shift that to talking about, okay, well, actually, this is going to be a longer term in order to provide the value that we can see, that we can provide and that you're looking for, that that's a different type of conversation like you said that the services that you provide the value is maybe clearer on a longer term cycle do you feel that that shift from that conversation from projects to that i'm now talking about the value that comes longer term do you think that's a challenging shift i don't think so because it really speaks to the desires of the
0: client in prospect they're thinking return on investment they're thinking you know real tangible business they're thinking about value. And actually, I think historically, a lot of agencies have just been about the features and the deliverables. Whilst a lot of business owners will see the underlying value of doing that or kind of assume the value of it. So if we take, you know, an average website redevelopment, for example, they know that at the end of it, they're going to be presenting their business in a much better way. And theoretically, that's going to bring them more business. They haven't really taken it to the next level and thought, to what extent is this going to move me towards my business goals? But in turning the conversation from a project-based conversation to a retainer-based conversation, you as the agency owner can be turning the conversation towards true business goals instead. And I think any prospect will be receptive to that. They've got to make a bit of a connection themselves if it's a project, you know, between a website redesign, in that example, and the results. Whereas you can kind of map that out for them if you're given the opportunity to work with them longer term.
1: And so some specific examples of a web designer who's been traditionally working in the majority in terms of I of the design, there's your website, and then come back to me when you want to redesign. What are the types of things other than support and maintenance that that kind of agency or person could be looking at? Well, the real value in terms of my design skills, longer term, includes things like, and I assume we're talking about things like conversion optimization and that kind of thing. Exactly. One of the major
0: shifts that a lot of web design and development agencies are seeing is taking this persona by a persona a specific approach we're a hubspot agency and anybody who has digested some of hubspot's content will know that they're all about being very specific about who the buyer is so niching in a particular industry but also identifying particular roles that are the best fit for their products now i've yet to meet a business that just has one buyer persona, they have several, but what they can do is they can create different campaigns to speak at a more specific level to the needs of that particular buyer and then repeat the process for a completely different profile of buyer. I think for any agency, especially in web design and development, they can be thinking about creating web assets, be it a a web page, be it a mini site, be it landing pages that are specific to a particular buyer persona And then perhaps either on a month-by-month basis or even a quarter-by-quarter basis, shifting focus to a different buyer persona. And that way, as you move through the relationship, you're increasing the numbers of buyers and the number of sectors that they as a business are reaching out to that effectively you're creating more and more web assets that can be marketing their business more effectively. And it's speaking at a more specific level to more different types of buyer persona. And I think that's the biggest shift I've seen recently and the biggest opportunity for those in web design and development to move into that retainer model is to think about the different types of buyers and be more specific about the web properties that they're building, not just putting all their effort, as many business owners will want you to, into a fantastic homepage, but instead on focusing on those subsections and seeing which buyers they can more accurately speak to.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And changing the focus between, instead of trying to do everything at once or what often happens in project trying to do everything at once and doing nothing at once in my experience, but being able to shift focus across time can be really powerful, I can see that makes a lot of sense and that also allows so if an agency is like design led, they're really focusing on this as our strength or technology led so that our real strength is in the code or in the platform that still allows us in either case to say well this is how our expertise feeds into this focus and as you say landing pages or particular marketing campaigns or the technology behind integrating all of that
0: one further note to that is that hubspot have kind of defined this whole process so anybody who's looking to move their agency to that model if they search for something called growth driven design that's the terminology that hubspot have kind of coined for this way of moving design and development agencies from project to retainers and they've got a whole wealth as you'd imagine from HubSpot, a whole wealth of content on this videos training courses but also even like quoting tools and proposal templates there's almost like a business in a box over there so yeah search for growth driven design and you'll get some really good guidance on that
1: So to shift topic very slightly, and to go back to something you said a little while ago about pricing and using results or value based pricing, is that something that you company do yourself or something that you see that you find? Does that work in the retainer model?
0: What we found works um, works best is because we battered around this idea of results-based charging, and we've never been able to really nail it for various different reasons. But most predominantly, for many agencies, they'll maybe sympathize with this, is that you're reliant on the client to be able to convert any of the business you bring them. Their sales process rarely changes as a result of what you do for them. And so, you're kind of beholden to things that are outside of your control. So, we don't tend to go for that model. Again, the compromise that I think we've found is we've move to a what we call a value-based pricing model almost like a point system where people buy a certain number of assets from us and rather than charge them for our time we charge them for a deliverable you know month- on month we're kind of planning the different deliverables we're we're creating for them and each of those has a value in terms of like a point system and we found that that works because you know a lot of agencies will recognize that you know mistakes are made sometimes you know it takes a while sometimes to be able to match the tone the brand identity and also to get up to speed with the facts of a particular industry or particular product that's on offer from a client you know whilst you're going through that alignment process and researching topics and really getting Getting up to speed. There's a lot of wastage sometimes. A lot of revisions going back and forwards as well. We don't think that a client should have to pay for that our compromise is that we charge based on deliverables so the client knows that they're getting something that they have approved that is fully usable and is of great value to their marketing engine if you like that's where we've gone to we don't charge by the hour i mean obviously behind the scenes we're doing all of the calculations to make sure that we're still profitable and there's still the margin that we require in order to keep the lights on for the most part again it's a a system that appeals to both the clients and to us as an agency
1: yeah the obvious benefits of not tracking or sort of squabbling over hour by hour invoices. Yeah, have you productized that service? I mean, is it there a standard as a client I pick X, Y, and Z, or is there a sort of a menu, or is it more custom?
0: Yeah, we've gone to the, the kind of traditional gold, silver, bronze type package deal whereby, you know, you buy more points and the per point price comes down. So it's kind of a bulk buy situation. But quite often we'll find that we have to revert to a completely bespoke proposal. And that's fine. If we find ourselves, you know, in between two packages, then we'll design something that meets the specific needs of the client. You know, we're not as rigid as that. But it gives what we've found is it gives a good guide to prospects and to clients as we're onboarding them to let them know what the options are at what levels they can achieve a bit of a discount as well. So yeah, I think that's important. One of the things I've battered around as well over the years is whether we publish our prices on our website or not. And as things stand as we speak right now we do but i've also heard really strong arguments for not doing that you know the most compelling being any customer that you win on price is going to be lost on price but i think you know transparency sometimes is a good thing because if you set expectations and you're setting those expectations with the right profile of prospect then they'll appreciate it you won't lose them as a result of being so kind of dark and hidden about what you're charging it's only when you're actually sitting in front of somebody who's not an ideal prospect and doesn't fit the profile of your ideal buyer that the price becomes an issue anyway so so long as you're being targeted about who you're talking to and who you're targeting there's no issues
1: yeah that's really interesting and the two thoughts that come to mind there our qualification of any leads and people coming in if you're more transparent about pricing then it's easier to qualify people who fit or don't fit into where your target is thinking about the packages that was even separate from the pricing but having those clear packages but then as you say being able to flex that on a per client basis is that transparent to a client who comes to you first of all i mean Do you feel like when a lead comes in, they're looking at gold, silver and bronze and thinking, oh, that's it? Or is it fairly clear, depending on how that initial conversation happens, that for the right clients, you'll do the right things?
0: To be honest, we're not advertising that fact to an extent. And that is semi-intentional. I think that the reason it's semi-intentional is... It gives us that flexibility to be able to be more bespoke when the conversation gets to that stage of proceedings. So if we have a a prospect that's thinking, okay, well, I I think we need that kind of mid-range level of service, but we haven't got budget for that, and we're able to give them something that is kind of in between two of the tiers, it kind of feels like we are kind of bending to their knees a little or being more flexible. And of course, that goes a long way to be able to say that to a prospect, that we can bend to their needs. And it kind of makes them feel a bit special if it's more bespoke, you know, for the same reasons that being a specialist commands higher pricing, you know, to be flexible is a really good thing. So we save that. You know, we don't advertise the fact because every prospect we were talking to at that point would be thinking, okay, well, if they're flexible on what packages they're providing, maybe they're more flexible on discounting and, you know, bringing the price down and meeting a lower budget. We don't want to set the wrong expectation.
1: That's actually really smart. I like the way you're talking about being clear on expectations up front, but at the same time, having this extra flexibility for clients when you really want to close them or when there's something additional or or more powerful in that relationship. What about... Retaining retainers, if you see what I mean. So do you have any explicit ways of keeping in touch with clients with the rolling notice period?
0: Yeah, one of the things we realised earlier, and I mean, I have to be incredibly honest and open here. In the early stages of the business, we probably weren't very good at the communication with clients. That reflected in the kind of churn rate at the time. We've gotten much, much better at that now. We insist on weekly update calls with all of our clients. We insist on monthly face-to-face meetings where geographically possible. Even when it's not, then it's a more in-depth kind of screen share and video conference situation. And what we found is, and this kind of goes back to the fact that we're on a rolling contract the reality is there is no concept of renewal if you like it's ongoing again that kind of works in the client's favor because you as an agency really have to stay on top of communication you have to stay on top of the relationship throughout the year and on an ongoing basis you'll quite often find that agencies will kind of withdraw into themselves from personal experience anyway to get the work done and it's only actually with you know two or three months to go at the end of the year, that attention is turned to you know, schmoozing and thinking about renewal and, and therefore kind of returning to strengthening the relationship. I've seen too many agencies lose clients because they didn't provide good communication throughout the engagement. So that was a really big learning for us. I think if you communicate well with the client, they'll quite happily forego all of the extras, the schmoozing, the whining and dining, and all of that stuff from, the, from what I call old marketing. That's really been key for us.
1: The regular communication being an important part of that, like you mentioned, but also several times you said things like good and communication and communicating well. Do you have an example of what you mean by good communication? What I'm imagining is tying that back to the value that's providing.
0: It all comes down to results and it comes down to being able to report on the metrics that are most important to the client. A lot of clients are coming around to the fact and really understanding as time goes on the difference between vanity metrics and the stuff that really counts to them. And also, again, going back to the expectation setting, if we've set the expectations at the beginning of the engagement, and we're communicating on that basis, you know, week after week, month after month, then eventually, it's going to become very, very obvious whether you are delivering on promise obviously you've got to have that connection you've got to engage with the clients there's got to be some kind of charismatic connection and personal connection at the end of the day it comes down to results and if you're able to offer the transparency and the key metrics the kpis then quite often that's all it will take to just stay on track and that's all clients really are interested in at the end of the day is whether you can deliver on what's going to bring them the greatest benefit
1: And to be good at that, you must have that pretty good operationally in terms of delivering that process. Like you said, in my experience, it's very easy to fall into that trap of maybe just dropping a report email or something or leaving a whole chunk of time before realizing, oh, I need to get back in touch with them. So when you talk about weekly calls and monthly meetings, is that systematized? Do you have a structure around actually doing that part as well as doing the actual work? We've
0: got all our internal processes and you know that, that helps us to do everything that we've committed to deliver to the client. But also we we take an approach to, not so much on the how, but on the outcome. So I think if you can be outcomes focused when you're dealing with the the fulfillment and the management of projects, then again, it comes back to being able to deliver on KPIs. And it really does boil down to one simple thing. If you as an agency, irrespective of what your discipline is, if you can deliver on your promise, you can't go far wrong. It really is that simple.
1: And that ties all the way back to the start to the changing of our conversation to the changing the conversation from projects to retainers and how that's, or long-term relationship, however it's structured. And how that conversation is about the value provided rather than the how, rather than the the bits and pieces. Outstanding. Thank you so much for your time today. There's quite a lot more. I'm sure I could dig into that even more. (laughs) But just to finish this off, if anybody wants to connect with you or with your agency, where do they find you?
0: They can find our website at influenceagents.com feel free to use good old email to get in touch with me matt at influenceagents.com and you search all the good social media you'll be able to find us there as well i'm sure
1: brilliant thanks again matt thanks barry thanks for listening to season one of happy porch radio if you like what you've heard so far please leave us a five-star review on itunes that really helps the show keep going and don't forget to visit happy for all the links and notes from every show